What's up, guys? Welcome back to HRT. I hope your week was swell. Uh, you're going to be watching this while I am on a vacation, so this is pre-recorded. It is November 20th at the moment, uh, and this episode is exciting for many different reasons. Uh, I have Nate helping me out today. Hi, Nate. Whoop, whoop. Hey. Uh, Nate is acting as my co-host today, and our guest is Cameron. Cameron is a, a non-binary person who has a really inspiring story and gave us a lot of insight on non-binary mm. people, um, stuff that I never even thought about in the first place, and I'm glad that I'm more aware of things now. Um, so that was really fun. We talked about the differences uh, in binary trans people and non-binary people, uh, non-binary people in the media, a whole lot of fun stuff. I'm excited for you to hear, uh, and you know the weekly spiel, join the Discord, sub to the Patreon, Nate and I have a lot of content on the Patreon. Nate's helped me out a lot, and I very much appreciate it for you, bro. Uh, and yeah, make sure you sub to that. And that's about it for this week, I think. Um, yeah, let's go talk to Cameron. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, Cameron, let me start by asking you where you are from. All right, I'm from California. California. <laughs> Which I'm not sure if there's been any California people so far. I don't I don't um, think so. I think you're I right. Also, yeah, I also don't think so. Yeah. It's exciting. I was California so, with all things trans. Um, I mean, clearly it's probably the best state. Um, it is one of the sanctuary states for trans people. Um and yeah, I don't have to worry about losing my rights here because like my hometown where I grew up tried to um, do like pass one of the laws where like um, it's like the teachers have to out trans kids um, to their parents in the school district. And then the California governor like sued my school district and was like, no, you can't do that. So oh, uh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> um, okay, wait, how old are you, by the way? Um, yeah, I'm twenty four. Twenty four? Same cool. age as me. Nate, you're twenty three, right? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm twenty three. Hi, cool, cool, cool. Twenty four. Uh you're on hormones? But Cody, you're twenty four, right? Am, as well? Yes. Twenty four. Okay. Twenty four cool. gang. Um see. Yeah, I'm coming. And yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> You are on hormones? <laughs> yeah, okay, so I was for two and a half years, and then uh, about two months ago, I stopped. Oh, shit, um, plot twist. Just for shits and giggles, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, because I know we're going to talk about a bit shy anxiety, like, is awful. Um, and I don't know, also just being non-binary, when I started hormones, I never intended to stay on it for very long. Um, when I started, I was like, I'm going to do this for six months to a year for my voice to drop. And then I got on it and I was like, oh, this is like nice. Like, <laughs> I like this. Um, so it wasn't until I started to have to deal with like receding hairline and um, like back hair that I was like <laughs> too man for me. I can't do that. It's too far. <laughs> no, that's so real. The hair is crazy. Oh, it's horrible. It's too much. It's like, all I wanted was like a deep voice and to pass and all I got was hair. <laughs> it's just hair yeah. everywhere. Like, Especially not what I asked for. 
I feel like it was like especially prominent in those first six months that you were talking about too or at least that's when I noticed like a lot of hair growth it was like that first thing yeah not fun I think it's really cool though that you were kind of just like you you went on hormones kind of got to the place you wanted to be and then we're like okay I'm done yeah yeah and that was like one of my big fears starting was that I was afraid I was going to get to a point where it was going to start causing dysphoria. Um, so I, I started disliking some things and I was like, let's hit the brakes. Mm-hmm. But I feel very grateful to have full control over that. And I talked to my doctor and I was just like, I'm done. And she was like, okay. And then, like, I was able to do whatever I wanted. Yeah, yeah for real. <laughs> now, did you notice any like changes in your mood or anything when you came off of it? Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> I'm crying all the time. And this is so funny to like um, be listening to this podcast with some of the trans women because I relate to them. I feel like I'm like, and I, I don't, the whole detransitioning topic, topic is very um, spicy, but spicy a good word. I feel that, <laughs> um, but in some ways I feel like I'm, honest virgin that's like technically i am but like i'm crying all the time i'm so moody and i'm like getting used to all these things again um including the whole um period and all that which is rough but like yeah i've been noticing a lot of changes getting off of it which there's a lot less information about out there of like trans or non-binary trans masculine people that go on hormones and then go back off. I haven't found as many resources for those that go back off and what to expect. So I've been looking into a lot of what trans women <laughs> experience, which is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That's definitely not talked about enough. You think mm-hmm. there'll, there'll be a day in the future where you decide to go back on? If like, you know. Very much so. I have all of my supplies and my needles and extra testosterone just in case I made sure I had a stockpile just in case I was like, oh, this was the wrong decision. Um, Yeah, but so far, it's all right. (laughs) How long have you been off of it again? Uh, It's been about two months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And how how long were you on it altogether? Two and a half years. Okay. Wow. So I feel like my body's doing a lot of adjusting from like two years of that to um i mean i kind i tapered down a little bit but that was um, gonna be my question was it like (laughs) like did you just be like nope done or like you kind of did one week and then off one week or i like slowly lowered my dose over the course of like four weeks um that's which was annoying because i was at the point where i was like i'm done with this i don't want to keep doing shots um but i i forced myself to slowly lower it just because Cold turkey is um, scary. Intense, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, because, like, you were on it for two years. Most of the changes happen within those first two years. I think the only thing that happened to me yes. after those two years was, like, beard growth. That was the only place hair j- chose to not show up <laughs> in the first two years. Real? That was pretty much it, yeah. I think my experience is a little different because I started on an incredibly low dose. I started on injecting 0.1 mils, which like for, I think most people that do it weekly injections do between like 0.3 to 0.5 mils um, injections. Were you doing every two weeks? I was doing it every week, but 
um, just incredibly low, low dose and slowly, slowly over the course of a year, finally got up to 0.3 mils. And then, so it wasn't until I was about a year on T that like it started hitting. Um, Cause she's starting to hit. (laughs) 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 So when I say like two and a half years, it's like really a year and a half of like, the good stuff, the, <laughs> right. the high dose. Yeah, good, good, good. But yeah. Now you said before that you know you started you were or you were afraid that you were going to start experiencing gender dysphoria, but on the opposite side of things, right? Because yeah. before you started, you yeah. were you know I guess things that were too feminine made you dysphoric, right? And then maybe yeah. when you were on testosterone, it was like, okay, things are getting a little too masculine now. Is that kind of how, how it went for you? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is dysphoric to me to be constantly seen and gendered as male. Um, but I, I prefer that to getting she heard all the time. So it's like a balance for me um, where I would like to enter situations and be like a little gender ambiguous, but most people just see me as like a man so I feel like I got to a point where it was just like <laughs> too masculine um and I, I wanted to be able to fem it up a little bit um but mostly it it had to do with shot anxiety and um, losing hair on my head were the, like the main reasons that I like really was like all right let's pause and see how I feel mm-hmm. um but yeah it, just ex- wondering how it's going to be on the opposite end of things. Like how I'm going to feel being gendered as masculine all the time was very scary for me entering into my medical transition. I don't blame you. I think that's kind of, that's kind of really cool. Like, I feel like that's like a little, a little hack to go, go on hormones for a little bit and then come <laughs> off just to find that like sweet spot where you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Why not? Yeah. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about your shot anxiety though. When you were doing your shots, did you have somebody else do it for you? Like, how did that go? Um, no, I always did it on my own. And so what's funny to me is I did not have shot anxiety when all of this started. I was so excited to do my own injections. It made me feel so trans. Like I was so proud of it. Um, and I was so excited about it for like the first like year, like I would like, record myself doing it and was like all cute about it and I was so genuinely excited to do it and it wasn't until about two years that I was like okay I'm over this like this is a lot and I it was more like just avoidance I would just avoid thinking about it and avoid doing it and then suddenly two weeks went by and my acne was going crazy because I hadn't done my shot. And, like, um, like, I never really had, like, massive, like, hormonal shifts from, like, not doing my shot. Or, like, I didn't have, like, mood issues or anything like that. But my acne would pop off. Mm. Um, and that would force me to be like, okay, I'll do my shot. That's the same that would happen to me. Um, and those things, like, play a part in dysphoria, I feel like. Like, when I start breaking out, it's like... I don't know, because mm-hmm. to me, I get mad at the testosterone, and then I get mad at myself for being mad at the testosterone, and it's like, it's <laughs> a yeah. whirlwind of emotions. Yeah, <laughs> so a thousand percent. Right. <laughs> it sounded like it got more, like, tedious for you than anything. Yes, yeah, it became a really tedious task 
um, that I did not enjoy doing anymore. Um, I then just skipping it was, um, yeah, skipping all my shots very often just wasn't good for me. <laughs> so. Patience to the choir. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I know. Yeah, we all we all suffer from it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I just like I was off for like two weeks for no good reason, and my mm-hmm. acne is through the roof right now. So I know exactly. Who- <laughs> <laughs> it sucks, and it's like you know you did it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I completely hear you when you say that. Um, you enjoy doing the injections in the beginning and you weren't, you didn't have much shot anxiety. I remember in the beginning of taking my injections, uh, the first couple were terrifying, but then as I went on, it was like, okay, like this is fairly easy. I can do this. And then when it started to become a chore and like a maintenance thing for myself, that's when I was like the anxiety of actually injecting myself became a problem for me. I don't know why. Not fun. (laughs) Not fun at all. <laughs> uh, surgeries. Do you want to get any? Have you gotten any? Yeah. So I've actually had top surgery twice, which I also don't know if anybody's talked about revisions on here yet. So I had to have a revision. Um, I had top surgery before I started hormones. So when I was coming out as trans in the year of 2020, as we do, Um, (laughs) um, the first thing I knew and the only thing I knew was I need top surgery that's that's what matters to me I didn't even think I was gonna ever want hormones I just knew I had to get that shit off my chest I had to stop binding all the time and as soon as 2020 hit I was like oh I don't I was in school and I didn't have to wear a backpack anymore and I didn't have to go to class I could just sit in bed and do my classwork so I was like, well, I'll just get surgery and then just keep doing my classwork. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did very bad that quarter. But um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got double incision in October 2020. And then the following year for my one year checkup with my surgeon, he was like, you know, we could do a revision. We could thin out your scars and like make things more symmetrical. And at that point, I hadn't really thought about it. I knew that I wasn't 100% happy, like how symmetrical everything was on my chest, but I just didn't think about revision um, until he was like, well, let's do it. And he was able to fit it within the same insurance period. So it was free. And so it was basically like, I went to see him. He was like, let's fit you in within the next week. And then I went home and I got a phone call and was like, do you want to have surgery tomorrow? And then I had surgery tomorrow. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. <laughs> it was like the most bizarre thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Huh. You know, that's kind of cool. I have never really thought about a revision either. And not that like I've said it before, but not that like I'm upset with the way my chest looks, but like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like for a while, I remember following this kid on Instagram. His name is Hunter, um, HK Hunter. He had keyhole surgery, top surgery, and he didn't like it. And he was, like, embarrassed by the fact that he didn't like it. And everyone told him to, like, get a revision and stuff. And 
It was like mm-hmm. just the topic of revisions were like not good. Taboo. Yeah, taboo. Yeah, thank you. Like it just mm-hmm. for some reason. And in my head, I always thought a revision was like not possible for me. But like low key, now that I'm thinking about it. Honestly, sounds like it could be. Sounds like it could be. (laughs) I was in the same spot where, like, I was happy with it and I would have been fine with it, but just because I was like presented this opportunity, like, you could be happier, right? Yeah, Um, why not? That's pretty cool. And I feel like that's such a trans experience, too. Like, (laughs) always like choosing things that just could make you be happier, like, yeah, that's it. Um, Nate just had top surgery. I did, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, like, perked up when you said, like, I had it twice, because I also had it twice, because I, uh, oh, yeah. I, I had a hematoma on my right chest wall, so, like, I had to go in, like, within the same week, so oh, I wow. get the going back in. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, that's stressful, and it adds, like, a whole extra week of recovery and, like, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. It, I yeah. can't imagine how stressful that is right in that first week too uh yeah it was it was a lot because like I went in like to my well I went into my post-op kind of knowing that something was off because like, like I grew like a really gross bruise too um and so like I kind of just thought they were going to be like yeah we need to keep your drains in a little bit longer so that's what I was prepared for and they were like no we need you to get in tomorrow I was like Oh, got it. Thank you. <laughs> but Nate, I feel like, working well. Can I be real, Nate? I think you're. I feel yeah. like your surgeons or the team of doctors didn't tell you everything you needed to know. <laughs> no, absolutely not. They. So I didn't even know like what a hematoma was, if it was possible, whatever, and then. Yeah. Oh, I've also been like really like freaking out about like the nipple grafts and I've been like <laughs> asking Cody about them, like freaking out. So yeah, there was definitely some things that I think could have been talked about a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Is that like your experience or do you feel like you were like pretty educated the whole way? I felt pretty in the know. Um, I'm the kind of person that like had thoroughly researched and asked him all of the really ridiculous questions mm. beforehand but also i where i went was um all, that's all they do is gender affirming surgeries um and so i felt like their like bedside manner and all of that was like really excellent because all mm. they did was see trans patients um so that's the wild part because i feel like my surgeons were like that too like they get like they made me feel so affirmed so supportive answered any questions i did have but mm. i just like i had way more questions than i realized i guess i don't know yeah. it was <laughs> it was weird i mean who's gonna go in and be like explain a hematoma just in case it happens <laughs> right <you>? exactly <laughs> but at the same token like if that's a possibility i guess maybe just yeah. give me a little heads up but <laughs> <laughs> See, I wish I wish my surgeon. I think I feel like I wish I went to a surgeon who specialized more in trans people. My surgeon specialized in cis men who I always forget the goddamn word for it. Starts with a G. That just have extra fat in their chests. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, my surgeon he did his job. He did a good job, but. And his bedside manner, like, he tried. He tried really hard. But, like, I... <laughs> <laughs> we love a trying king. 
<laughs> he tried so hard, but he, the way he woke me up from surgery, I'll never get out of my head. Um, he, oh God, he wakes me up and he goes, Cody, Cody, guess what? You're flat. And I'm like, no, I, absolutely not. <laughs> I am uncomfortable, sir. <laughs> Get out of my face. Oh, man. It's not what I wanted like, to do. Does he do that to everyone? Or did he think, oh, this person's trans, so this will yeah. really be yep. helpful? <laughs> like, no. Oh, well, I think that. <laughs> just, I think that whole It just made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I know you think That's... you did well. Like, you think you just made me happy, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, uh... He went home and told his family about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When I was waking up from my surgery, I just, I was so out of it. And they were like, just immediately like, do you want water? And I was like, sure, I'll take water. And they handed me a cup. Why did they hand me a cup? And I just went and poured the entire thing on myself. No way. All my dressings and everything. They set you up for failure with that. Oh my God. They wanted you to fail. What the hell? No, for real. When I woke up from my surgery i was in like a straight up panic the whole time and i remember the nurse just like rubbing my shoulder being like you're in the recovery room you're fine i was like i don't know what's happening i don't feel fine just a light touch of the shoulder you're okay bud literally it was just shut up there child literally Um, (laughs) all right cameron let me ask you and kind of get into uh, when you came out as non-binary. Yeah. So I officially came out to everyone in 2020. Um, just because the lockdown, I had that break where I didn't have to deal with classes and I lost my job. So <laughs> like, what else am I going to do? I'll learn about myself. Right. Um, and so the first thing I knew is I need surgery. I need top surgery. This has to happen, and it has to happen this year before I go back to school and before I enter, like, graduate and enter the workforce. I It felt important to me um, to get it done as soon as possible. Um, so before I came out to anyone, I was already scheduling my dates <laughs> for the surgery. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, and then, like, I was at the point I was um, – and I was at UC Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz is a very queer college. I've met a bunch of queer friends. We were all living together in a house. There was like nine of us in one house and we're all queer. And so I just walked in the door one day and I was like, I'm trans. I'm going to use the <laughs> pronouns. And they were like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was like the easiest thing. And before that, I came out to my partner. I was like not even worried about it. I was just like, first I was like, I'm going to need top surgery. And will you take care of me? <laughs> and she was like, okay, do you want me to use they, them pronouns? And I was like, nah, not yet. And then the next day I was like, okay. Can, <laughs> can we go back a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, like, okay, you're right. <laughs> um, That's funny. Yeah. And so coming out to her and then a queer group of friends was like the best way to boost my confidence. I was like, so deeply ashamed of being trans at that point that they were all like it's not a big deal like what what are you so stressed about because I knew I was trans I knew I was non-binary when I was like 14 and I didn't come out till I was 21 damn dude that's a lot yeah so like 
there was a long time where I was just like repressing that shit so deep. Like I came out as gay when I was 16 and about when I was coming out as gay was like me also coming out as a masculine human. And so I was like, I'm gay now so I can wear like these clothes. I can wear men's clothes. Like it's fine. And, um, that was met by a lot, um, of, um, unhappiness from my family just um and like growing up in like California I thought it was gonna be chill like I wasn't really concerned coming out to family but um my parents were very like consumed with the what other people thought of us as a family and what, how that reflect like me being more masculine how that reflected on them as parents or also they were very concerned with my safety and like projected their insecurities about how safe I would be in society onto me. So at like 16, like that's all I was thinking about was like, okay, how do I become like the most acceptable version of myself? And like, how do I like become this version of myself where I'll feel safe? And like, I don't know. So I immediately tried to conform to this like masculine lesbian, like, cause that was like a better and safer version of me than being trans because that was a little too far I don't know so I really like pushed it all back in it was even like I was applying to college I was already 18 had been out as gay for a while knew I was trans and I wrote it in my college essay which I love that you read yours (laughs) (laughs) I laid it so hard like that's all my essay was about like oh it's so hard like I'm in the closet and I'm trans and all this shit and oh man and then as soon as I got to college I was like all right this is it I'm like in a new city I'm 18 I can buy all the clothes I want I can be myself I'll be out and I got to college and I was in a dorm floor and everybody in the hallway was queer because it was like a LGBT themed hall so like I had never been surrounded by queer people like in my hometown there was like very few of them and like I had never met another trans person before so it was like so neat immediately moving into college and being surrounded by all these people and so I was like I need to learn how to be happy as a masculine lesbian. Like, this will make my life easier if I just be happy as this. Um, and I also, like, there's a lot of freedom when you first, like, I know not everybody, not all trans masculine people come out as gay first, but, like, there was so much freedom in being masculine lesbian to me. Like, I started to feel freedom, gender freedom in small amounts and I became like so proud to be a lesbian and proud to be a woman that Mm -hmm. I got to a point where I was like well I I did all this work to become proud of this identity and now I'm just gonna like toss it out and say I'm (laughs) not a woman anymore and so I, I battled with that for a long time and also so from like 18 to 21 I was really trying to force myself into a version of myself that just wasn't right i hear you Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a strong topic of like you know from somebody who i guess especially now with like the way things are and like being a woman and like that feeling of empowerment and standing for something and then completely not aligning with that anymore i think even a lot of people in the discord have been like that was something i had to really adjust to and something i had to Mm -hmm. grieve and something i felt bad for like 
no longer being able you can still stand up for women and women's rights of course but like not as a woman so it doesn't feel the same of course we don't want to be women Mm -hmm. but like yeah i get it (laughs) is all i'm saying i guess yeah absolutely there is a lot of grief um and just so like going like no like walking into like lesbian bars like that used to feel home that used to feel right and now i feel like an intruder sometimes like and it feels there's just many aspects to that that i'm still grieving (laughs) because it's also a place to feel safe too yeah no one's gonna feel safe in a bar full of cis men no matter how you identify either so (laughs) Uh, so you, your family, when you told them, did, they didn't take it well at first? Uh, yes. When I, t- well, okay, so, like, when I came out as gay, they were like, we, it, gay is okay, but don't be too gay, um, kind of a thing. Then, over the course of that, when, that was when I was, like, 16, and then when I was 21, I had gone, like, so mask like all I wore were men's clothes like so they weren't shocked and there was moments where I'd be on the phone with my mom and she'd say things like when are you gonna ask us to use they them pronouns which was very intrusive to me I was not ready to talk about it and so I was very much like no like hang that up I don't want to talk about it um so like they were waiting for me to talk about it and waiting for me to tell them what they weren't ready for was the surgery um so (laughs) that was like the big news I felt like I was breaking to them so I just like put my whole family on a FaceTime call (laughs) and was like hey I'm trans please use they them pronouns you probably already know that also I'm getting surgery on October 6th (laughs) and that was (laughs) (laughs) but I did it in a way where I was like I have the money i saved up for this i will pay for it you can support me if you want but this is happening like i was in a point where like i was not asking i was telling them this is my life this is what i'm doing i made it happen for myself and so i'm just letting you in mm-hmm. and uh, and there's the door yeah, if you want to do it. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they received it really well and my parents did fly up to take care of me for the first two days um yeah and my grandma my grandma who does not understand like she is the absolute greatest ally but just does not understand and she insisted on paying for my surgery even though i could afford it she just was like you're not doing that like let me do it so my family's been really great they they try they try really hard (laughs) and that's all that matters at the end of the day you know what i mean yeah like i don't know definitely and it's it's honestly Mm -hmm. it's really cool to hear uh, like from a non-binary person that a family, your family got it and understood it because yeah, a lot of people struggle, like not a lot of binary trans people struggle with their families in general because mm-hmm. the pronouns and are just too confusing. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine like yeah. having to come out to your family as non-binary when to their, to that generation, it's even more confusing. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. I'm glad. I think the timing of it was really important. The fact that it was 2020, it was being talked about. Like, I think Demi Votto was out by then. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was talked about enough at that point where they were aware. But when I knew when I was like 
17 years old, I was drafting a coming out letter to them because I knew they wouldn't understand. It was like 2016, Trump was just elected. Like I knew they weren't gonna understand. So like the timing of it was important. And those are years that I mourn a lot. Like though it's a lot of time from like 16, 17 to 21 where I like could have transitioned and like, like there's so many years that of like just hurt that I, could have skipped over if I had felt comfortable and I'd felt like my parents would have been able to receive it at that time. But I've talked to my mom about this and she's been, she's like been very honest. Like, I'm really glad you didn't come out when you were a kid. Like she's told me that she's glad I came out when I was an adult. So she didn't have to make any of those decisions, which I, I kind of get, I guess, but yeah. it's complicated. And hey, I, I, I get it. You know, if, <laughs> a parent is terrified if their kid comes out to them as trans from the ages below of 18, you know what I mean? Because you are making huge decisions for another human being, and that's terrifying, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, I, don't, I don't even know if I could do that for my kid as a trans person, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. It's not that, you know, detransitioners are like a really huge thing, as everybody says they are, but it could happen, so mm -hmm. I get it. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I just like not to play devil's advocate, but I feel like you make so many other really important decisions as a parent. That's kind of the gig, right. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like <laughs> that's what you're signing up for, in my opinion. So, that's yeah. That's a very fair point. That's very true. Yeah. My mom was signing me up for all those AP classes without my approval. Right. So, right. <laughs> it's like, that, that takes a toll on your mental health. So. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Even like going to religion class and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And going to church. I went to church for so right. long. Right. Yeah, me too. Really? Okay. Yeah. Did that play a role in, in anything in your transition or anything? Um, so what's funny is I feel like my parents were bringing me to church for their own parents. And I think a lot of this plays into my parents' initial reaction to me coming out was more of fear of what other people thought. And because that's kind of how they lived a lot of their lives. Like we went to church for fear of what my grandparents would think or for fear of like what our community would think. Cause my hometown was a very religious place. There's like two or three Mormon churches and two Jehovah's Witnesses churches, like all within one city. Wow. And so there's like very strict religions and a lot, like most of my closest friends were Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. And so I knew what their views on me were like i knew what their parents thought i knew that their parents definitely voted against prop 8 like they did not vote for my right to marry like like there were certain things i knew growing up um but it wasn't necessarily from my own family like we were never religious we just went to church because we felt like we should and then once i was like 13 14 i was like i don't want to do this anymore and then we kind of stopped doing it so they listened to me and didn't force me to keep going but it was more of like the vibe of my hometown was very very religious and conservative i fully relate with when you say you know they were afraid of what other people would think of you mm -hmm. and uh, that always and that's typically how a trans person's family reacts is just because you know they love you so much they don't want you to ever be bullied or anything like that. It's exactly what my dad said to me when I came out too. And it's, mm -hmm. it made me so mad because it's like, ah, uh, but like you don't know because to my dad I was like, you're old, like you don't get how the world works anymore. Like, 
people like uh, I don't know. He thought that like I would end up looking like a a drag queen. You know what I mean? It's like that yeah. just means you're uneducated yeah. and you don't get it. Like, and now that I'm passing so well as a cis man, like you now you feel comfortable using he him pronouns in public. Like, yeah, I don't know. That always bothered me. And I felt a lot more fear in my general day to day life when I was presenting and looking like a woman than I do now. Like, there is more like vulnerability when you like are like outing yourself and you don't know how people are going to react. But in my day to day life, when people don't know I'm trans, I'm much safer to walk down the street. Like, I'm much safer to do various things. Mm-hmm. Although I will say my gender nonconforming era where people could not tell what I was was probably the worst. When people, I got lots of weird comments. Like, mm-hmm. and I think most of us from our first few months on T <laughs> all know what that vibe like that is yeah. awful being in public when people are like what are right. you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you like I guess because you said you'd rather people assume you're a male I guess in public but that still doesn't feel good right mm-hmm. yeah I I like prefer presenting masculine and being perceived as masculine um and it just comes with the territory that people assume that means i'm a man um but also just like if i want to walk down the street to the liquor store to get a drink or something i will feel much safer if i am looking and presenting as a man um when i i live in oakland now like downtown oakland so that plays a lot into it as well but when I first moved to Oakland, I was so early in my transition that I was not being perceived as a male. And so when me and my girlfriend walked on the street, we'd like think twice before holding each other's hands, even though it is still the Bay Area. But like, I don't know, you still like there's a certain awareness of your surroundings when you're gender nonconforming or if you're a woman that I don't I'm still aware because I have those experiences. And that's like how I was raised in this world to be aware of my surroundings. But it's not as necessary anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I do prefer to like permit people to meet me and assume I'm, I prefer that they assume I'm a man over a woman, which is why I ended up taking <laughs> right. hormones. <Yeah. laughs> that was the ultimate question I had to keep asking myself is you're going to get misgendered one way or another, which do you prefer? Oh. <laughs> that's, that's so yeah, not that's frustrating. fair. Like that's so not fair. Right. Uh, Cause like at least for binary trans people like who want to medically transition, it's okay. Like I'm being misgendered now, but as soon as you know these hormones start to kick in, everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Everyone will see me as who I see myself as. But for non-binary people, sometimes they don't always get that, and that's that's yeah. not fair. I hate that. Yeah, it's a lot of playing with other versions of gender expression. Trying, I've been like since being more masculine, presenting more masculine. I've been having a lot of fun, like making my wardrobe more feminine or adding jewelry or stuff that I never, ever would have done before taking hormones. So there's, there's still, there's good in it. I don't know. It's good and bad. Do you think that's like kind of how you cope with like having to deal with that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I'm like part of coping, like is if I add some of these more feminine things, maybe someone will think twice before immediately assuming I'm a man or assuming I'm a straight man. Like, I'd rather you assume I'm a queer guy if you're going to assume I'm any kind of guy. Yeah, so. <laughs> <Real>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that makes sense. So 
And like before starting hormones, my way of coping was by wearing the baggiest clothes I could find and hiding parts of your body. And now it's so it's like different it's like kind of opposite where now I'm like oh if I wear like a tighter shirt like or like a certain jewelry like it's all about playing with your expression about the way so so try to control the way you're perceived um which is a fine line to walk because that I can get really in my head about it and then and then I'm like, well, I'm non-binary because I didn't want to have to feel these pressures of the gender binary. Yet here I am playing into the gender <laughs> binary. Like, and then I just, it's a whole brain it's, fuck. Yeah, it's reminds me of like the infinity sign. <laughs> like it just yeah. keeps going and going. Yeah. <laughs> and like clothes and jewelry and things like that play such a, I don't know, important role in no matter how you identify, I guess, because it makes you feel comfortable. You know what I mean? And it's a struggle. Yeah. It is a struggle to find clothes and shit that fits correctly. And because mm-hmm. for me and for Nate, I'm assuming like it's, we would want clothes that make us feel more masculine. So like, I can't imagine mm-hmm. trying to find clothes that put you in that sweet spot, I guess, where you feel in the middle or any outside of yeah. the middle too. Yeah. You know? Very inspired by just like gay men fashion, like the androgyny that gay men have. Mm-hmm. Also the androgyny that masculine lesbian have. I just want to like mash it together into like an androgynous thing. And then that's me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but I do like what you're saying about like clothes. Like I think that's something people don't talk about enough is how expensive it is when you're like trying to figure out your style in the best clothes to fit whatever dysphoria you have. And like that shit is expensive and time consuming and just sucks, especially if you don't really like clothes or like fashion. Right. (laughs) And it's so hard to put like the idea into motion, if that makes sense. Like I have a whole freaking Pinterest board of clothes that would make me feel euphoric as fuck. And I go to the store and I'm like, okay, I'm going to find this exact outfit. I pick up the exact same thing and then I put it on. It's like, this is not how I saw it in my head. What the hell? And then it just doesn't fit your body the same way it does that Pinterest person. And then it's like a whole thing. And then it's like, oh, is it it because they're cis and I'm not? What the fuck? (laughs) There we go. Uh, But speaking on, you know, not feeling great about ourselves. Uh, <laughs> gender dysphoria. I know that you know we've talked a lot of, already about that you have it and whatnot. But mm-hmm. do you think that gender dysphoria is different in non-binary people than it is for binary and trans people? Yeah, because like as you're saying, like you would go clothes shopping and just find the thing that makes you feel the most masculine, makes you feel the most euphoric. Where maybe that's not. I don't want to be like the most masculine or um, like. And I think I have dysphoria where I on either side, where like you probably just want to become like the man. I don't know that I'm just projecting, but maybe you just want to be the manliest man possible. Like, but like that is so not my goal. Like there are there's a certain like place where that will make me dysphoric. Like if I stayed on T for my whole life, I know I I don't imagine myself in my head aging as like an old man. I don't really mm-hmm. know what I picture myself when I'm aging, but it's not as not old. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, 
<laughs> but no, that's a good point. Cause I think a lot of my transition, a lot of my dysphoria is figuring out what I don't want. <laughs> and I, I can see that more clearly than what I can see what I do want. And I knew what I did not want was a high voice anymore. I knew I, what I did not want was to be called she, her anymore. And then now uh, what I don't want is to become like really hairy and have to deal with like back hair. <laughs> and uh, like <laughs> So like I'm navigating this based on what makes me feel good in this moment. And I think something, and this is a kind of a complicated topic, but something that people ask non-binary people a lot is like, if you were born uh, cis or if you were born male, would you still be non-binary? Like, would you still feel dysphoria? Like, or, cause like, I assume you guys would have felt perfectly fine to be born as a cis guy, even though now you're proud to be trans and don't necessarily want that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I believe that if I fully myself was put born into a cis guy's body, I still would feel lots of dysphoria. I don't think that like, that's not the solution at all for me. And when I was young, like um, 14 to 16, when I was writing up that coming out letter to my parents, I wished so badly to just be a trans man. Like I just would sit there watching all these YouTube videos being like, why can't I just be a trans man? Like. I like I want all the things they want yet that's not me um so I, I it's I do think that um that confliction in my dysphoria is something that um like binary trans people don't have to experience right yeah <clears throat> and that concept is wild to me like the that there just there's dysphoria on both sides because like you said Nate and I and all our trans guys probably like I see it as like a line right being feminine is all the way over here being masculine is all the way over here I want to be so far mm -hmm. this way <laughs> like yeah. and like uh, the more this way I get the more euphoric I feel and I can't imagine like having to find I, I don't know that's just wild to me like, I can't wrap my head yeah. around it fully mm -hmm. um, okay so I want to ask a little bit what do you think is like the biggest misconception about non-binary people as a whole? Um, okay, a few. <laughs> I definitely, I think a big misconception is that it's a trend or like a new thing. And this is something I've heard and people have said to me, which is like just so disrespectful to our history. And I, I'm just like, other cultures as well that view um, non-binary people and just third genders, um, two-spirit. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like disrespectful and also just like you're revealing how dumb you are. Like if you really think that, like you just don't know anything about queer history. Mm -hmm. um, and so like I've had um, a tr binary trans person say that to me and they were quite a bit older than me and earlier on in their transition than I was at the time. And I was like coming up to them being like, hey, like I'm getting misgendered all the time. Like just wanting to vent and wanting somebody to relate to me. And they were like, well, you're getting misgendered as he, him. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, you kind of get why that is, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I guess I get why that is. But like, <laughs> <No>. that's not. 
absolutely not. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? And then they followed it up. She followed it up with, well, I mean, they them wasn't a thing until like 2020 or something like that. And I was just like, oh, you too. Like, you like you're on my side. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Um. Ain't nothing worse. Yeah, so that was, like, that actually, like, really did bother me for a while. That I was, like, somebody, and I I don't know if it's, like, generational because they were older or because they're newer in their transition. And I feel like, in a way, they were kind of projecting because they're, she was constantly getting misgendered as he, him, when she was newly out as a trans woman. So I feel like there was a lot going on in that conversation. But, oh, man, like, it just hurts me to think that... People, like cis people think that but so do trans people and like so that is my one of my least favorite but worse than that is like thinking that non-binary is just like the third gender it's just the third gender they're like that now there's three like and that is just like fully misunderstanding what non-binary even is like non-binary is like fully rejecting the gender binary it's rejecting this system that we have in place it's saying that I am more than these words can describe like I am like there's so many ways to experience gender as there are people and I experience my gender fully uniquely nobody has my gender I have my gender and like the fact that people just want to be like oh it's just like the third option like that pisses me off because i know <laughs> like that's no that's not mm-hmm. true yeah that's a that's a whole point that i don't think <clears throat> i've ever heard anybody really say to be honest because that's that's facts i feel like a lot of people think non-binary is both genders like somebody who can't mm-hmm. decide or is both but really it's it's neither and it's unique as you said that makes perfect sense 100 percent yeah and for some people maybe it is both for some people maybe it's neither for some people it is none of the above like and I just like the fact that I know I'm experiencing my gender and just myself in a way that's fully unique from anybody else around me and that gives me a lot of euphoria to be honest to think about that hell yeah I love that (laughs) now you said also that people think that it's a trend and that it's a new thing, and this relates a lot to Nate and I's episode together, actually, because we were talking about queer history a lot, mm-hmm. and somebody, correct me if I'm wrong here, because I speak out of my ass a lot, uh, don't know why I have a podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> um, it, I think, I don't know if it's true or not, but I, I, I saw this on TikTok, so I don't fucking know, but haven't non-binary people been around longer than binary trans people have been made aware of, I guess? Does anybody else know? Because I don't. I mean, if we go back to, like, indigenous cultures um, before we arrived here, um, the indigenous cultures have not only um, accepted and see non-binary or two-spirit, but they um, celebrate that. Mm. Um Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Nate, you probably know a little bit more. That's no, <laughs> just I mean, what you I've took learned words. online. <laughs> yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. And like again, it's that <laughs> idea of using terms that we use today and applying them to our history when like it was just different wording in our history. So like, yeah, you're probably not gonna find the term non-binary 
and that's what people like to weaponize with and say no it's a new trend like this is the term that they're using you know what i mean um so like yes okay sure you can say that the term might be new or whatever but the idea the concept the feelings x y and z have been around way longer than us and it's going to be around after us true people get very hung up on the terminology of things too like you really think mm -hmm. that i don't know out of how many people on planet earth that have ever lived that like in 2022 it was the first time this was ever thought of like are you kidding like i think like, it just just yeah. think a little bit more please. <laughs> like, maybe we don't have to go back to 1500 1600 <laughs> you really think this random year is the yeah, year right. like that also just doesn't make sense to me <laughs> that is now let me ask you if cameron if how much it bothers you when people say that the pronouns they them are only used when talking about a group of people because I've heard my fair share. Yeah, of that. that. Yeah, that that shit's just dumb too. And like, that's what most of these like misconceptions. I'm just like, you're dumb. <laughs> like, and you're saying that so confidently, and like that's showing me a lot about who you are. Mm -hmm. um, because when I first came out to my grandma, who I was telling you about, like she didn't understand, but I sat her down and explained it, and then she was thinking, and then saw like somebody with short hair walk past and be like. So I would say they are walking down the beach. And I was just like, that's as easy as I'm it is. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> like, it's so easy. And I know we all use it without even thinking about it. And it's like, my grandma can pick it up in just like a couple minutes of conversation. Like, it's clearly not this like huge, like, like thing that you need to wrap your head around like you don't need to be like a mathematician or like it's not complicated no, it's not. like it's real life and yeah and you're you're so and right they happening. make themselves look so stupid like it's yeah. uh, like it was in textbooks when we were in high school that like if you don't know somebody's gender you you use they them like i remember my mm -hmm. history teacher telling me that before I even knew what non-binary was. Like, <laughs> we were taught this. You just weren't paying attention. You know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I wanted to, before, you know, you were talking a bit about how you viewed trans people, I mean, trans men when you were younger, maybe, and how you related to them more but also i know in your survey you said that it could be a little invalidating when you know you couldn't relate to some things that trans men went through now do you maybe want to elaborate on that a little bit yeah i think that's one of the things that kept me from coming out for a really long time um was the fact that I was like, cause I was watching all these YouTube videos of everyone transitioning as you do as a baby trans. Um, and I, I just wasn't able to find someone that like shared my story exactly. Like, and, and that felt invalidating. I felt like I, as soon as I found the one person that felt exactly the way I did, then that would mean I was trans. Um, and I just like, I wasn't, 
I wasn't finding, at least at that time period, um, I wasn't finding any non-binary people going through medical transitions and through the same medical transitions that trans men were, because I wanted all those things. I wanted top surgery. I wanted hormones. I just thought it was only for trans men. And I knew because I didn't align with every one of their, like, experiences that that wasn't me. Um, yeah, I just knew, and of what I was saying about, like, I'm being led through my transition more by what I, like, don't like versus, like, what I like. Um, and I, I knew, or, or I think I said that opposite, but you know what I mean. Um, and I just knew that I did not want to be called a man. And I did, and that's all I knew. And so clearly I was not able to relate to trans men that that's all they wanted um, was to be seen and called he, him and be seen as a man. And that was like a very big thing. I, I couldn't get past And then I thought I just couldn't be trans. <laughs> So I think that was a big reason why I wanted to do this as well. Right. Yeah. Just as many viewpoints as possible out there for people. Of course, it's so important because, like, even though you said, like, with the top surgery thing, like, top surgery has become such a FTM surgery, a trans man surgery. And, like, mm. even trans men and myself, I need to be held accountable for that because, like, for a long time, I called it, like, a trans man surgery, an FTM surgery, like, not even thinking mm -hmm. about non-binary people because I think a lot of people forget that non-binary people can medically transition. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was frustrating um, when I was, like, looking into surgery and stuff. It's, like, everything's very much advertised for the trans man and it's very – gender affirming for the trans man which is great um and everything's called like ftm and all that um so that, it was always very annoying and i got my surgery in san francisco so this wasn't something i had to worry about but um a lot of people don't do top surgery if you're not on hormones um and i wasn't at the time mm. um and i there was other barriers where i was worried that um maybe one of my therapist letters wouldn't be approved because I'm not a trans man or like some, some things like that. I was a little worried that, um, if there was any question about like, Oh, I'm not a hundred percent man. I need this surgery like that. They wouldn't approve it, which I'm in California in the Bay area. So that wasn't really something I had to deal with, but it's a concern for some people. Yeah. Um, I, I was forced to be on hormones for a year before I got top surgery. Mm -hmm. My therapist, you too, Nate. Sam. Yeah. Yep. Sam. Yeah. And at the time I didn't even think about, how that would affect a non-binary person that's mm -hmm. fucked up <laughs> what the hell uh, yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah if i was forced to have started hormones before surgery i genuinely don't know because i think i had to have surgery in order to finally realize that i needed to be on hormones mm. like mm. my dysphoria around my chest was so massive i couldn't get past that to realize that i had so much other dysphoria like so I, I really don't know how things would have gone for me if they required me to be on hormones. That's a fat point too. Like dysphoria, dysphoria is like a monster. Like I don't get it. I still don't get it. Seven years in, don't understand it. Like it's like a monster in the shadows. Like it yeah. just ugh. Yeah. Because you're right. Like when if you have dysphoria in a specific place or mindset, like. And then, you know, you get 
surgery for it or something and you get it taken care of and it's like ah i'm finally free and then like i don't know a month passes and you're like oh no <laughs> oh no i have this for you in other places too the next thing right yeah yep exactly exactly now you kind of did it before but i want to ask you again how would you describe what being non what being non-binary feels like uh to someone who maybe doesn't understand it yeah um and so there's a quote that I, i'm i'm not even gonna try to say it but um Alok is a fantastic like poet and speaker um so but a the, the, lot of their views on gender is like kind of the way i view my gender um and i genuinely think that there are infinite ways to experience gender there are as many ways to experience being a man as there are men in society and there are many ways to experience like being non-binary or just their lack there of gender or whatever there's many ways to experience your unique gender as there are people and um i think that's what being non-binary means to me is just embracing the fluidity of gender and embracing just th- that there are no boxes or boundaries for me that my gender is whatever i want to be and it's like infinite and i appreciate and embrace its fluidity where maybe i want to be as masculine as possible or maybe i want to be feminine and wear makeup and um jewelry like and i i'm not going to stop myself i'm not going to like think i mean i do because i grow up in this society but i'm unlearning those um boundaries um those gender binary boundaries that tell me no you can't do this you have to fit into this box um and it's for me it's just like absolutely throwing away the idea of the gender binary and just allowing myself to be me without all of that period um and that's the way i think of it <laughs> oh i love that there's there's no barriers for you and you know as yeah. as a trans guy who i don't know like yes i want to be on the very masculine side of things because that's what makes me feel good about myself but other you know sometimes i find myself being like i don't want to say like damn, I put myself in this box that now I have to be masculine all the time. I don't know. I said I didn't want to say it, but that is how I feel. Like, I, <laughs> like, dead ass. Like, sometimes I'm like, damn, like, Nate knows. Like, I want to be a little bit more girly pop today. Like, you know, like, uh-huh. and I uh-huh. end up feeling like, fuck, I can't do that because I've spent seven years of my life coming up with this masculine person that i'm not sometimes like i am but i'm also not sometimes there's it's more fluid than i thought it was and it doesn't mean that i'm mm-hmm. i think i might be non-binary or that i'm not a trans man i 100 and am but i think that no matter if you're a binary trans person or a non-binary person like gender can be fluid no matter what you identify as you know what i mean does that make sense yeah absolutely and yeah i'm my own definition i'm not trying to say that you can't embrace the fluidity of gender without being non-binary you know? no right right like, <laughs> <laughs> i hear you and i also feel like cody like what you just talked about i relate to so hard because i because like i have those moments of like questioning it and whatnot but then like i'm also like worried that like people are suddenly going to be like well then he's not trans then like you know and i like he's not a trans man then and like that gets me going and like freaking out but like exactly like cody like i am i am very like 
let's go girls. <laughs> like, like you got to marry me. But then I'm also like, I have a fantasy football league. So it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Right. And we're, I love that fantasy football is your like, masculine <laughs> I mean, it works though. Cause I'm like, what is that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was younger, my dad tried to get me to join his fantasy football league, and I was like, "Okay, so when do I get to design their jersey?" That's literally what I thought it was for so long. Too. That is amazing. Like, dead ass. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you get to create your own team name. <laughs> I want to give them an outfit. I want to make them look That's pretty. Fair. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I think you know we're taught to conform to like even even binary trans people are are told in a way that whatever gender you quote unquote choose because you can't choose but like is the gender you have to be and you have to align with that gender a hundred percent and like i don't know that's clearly not how things work and no matter how you identify there's no like rule book you can be however you want you can like fantasy football and RuPaul's Drag Race, damn it! Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> one little last topic for the day because we're hitting an hour. Um, now, I want to talk about non-binary people in the media a little bit, um, and how do you think? non-binary people how would you want to see a non-binary person be represented in the media um i guess if we're talking about like celebrity culture i um am appreciating how many people are coming out from like sam smith to demi vado and i think the more people that come out that look and present differently is really important because people perceive non-binary people a certain way, specifically as like a fab, like non-manically transition, mm-hmm. like like people have a like a very certain like perception of non-binary people, and they have that perception as a way of writing them off. Um, but and so I think the more people that come out as non-binary and present just however they want to present um, is really great for us. Um, and then, like, also the more people that come out, the more there are, like, people to relate to. And, like, that is very important when you're, like, coming out and realizing. But in, like, media in general, uh, I would just like to see, like, in TV shows and movies, just non-binary representation just at all. Um, and I um, absolutely loved um, sex education, which, of course, we have to talk about that when we're talking about um, representation, because... Cal, oh my god. And when this came out, I was like within weeks of stopping tea and I was sobbing every time Cal was on screen. I was absolutely <laughs> sobbing because oh my god, if like I had seen a character like Cal who like portrays um like the joys of queerness as well as the struggles of like needing top surgery, not able to get it, being on hormones and all the crazy changes yet not being able to talk to anybody about it or relate to anybody like there were so many moments where I was just like oh my god like if I had been able to see this when I was like 16 this would have changed my entire life 
And like, that's what representation does. Like I would have been able to be like, mom, dad, that's me. Like, and that would have changed everything for me in that time period. And, you know, this show wouldn't have been able to exist in 2016. Like that's just kind of a fact, but the more characters we see like how, and the more shows like sex education, like the better um, people are going to be able to understand non-binary identities. And that goes for trans people in general. Like trans people have always been the butt of the joke in comedy and like just their existence is comedy and movies. And so the more we move away from that and the more we have like fully developed um, trans characters, like the better it's going to be for us all and just like the perception of us. Like, I don't know. And I will always like say like, watch Disclosure, because that shit, like, mm. um, that documentary really um, opened my eyes to so much transphobia that I didn't know existed. Right, and, you know, <clears throat> speaking about sex education, too, I remember when I realized Cal's character was non-binary and not a trans man, and I was like, okay, shit, like, like... <laughs> There's so much trans representation in the last season of Sex Education. Like, it's beautiful. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the end, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the latest season of Sex Education, um, at the end, you know, I like how they made Cal kind of like the, I don't know, like their whole storyline was the end of the season. You know what I mean? Like, Cal ran away mm-hmm. and nobody can find them and, and everything. At the end, you see uh what's his name cal's like homie they're like really good friends the athlete who might be gay i don't know but (laughs) he i love that (laughs) storyline me too (laughs) but at the end he's he's a cis man who's questioning his his sexuality his gender but he's still like very much like your typical cis man, you know what I mean? And at the end, mm-hmm. it's it's them two, Cal and him, sitting together, like, and the cis man is helping and, like, is, like, no matter what I got you, like, it'll be fine. And, like, that is what's important to see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yes, absolutely. trans people sticking together and, and everything, but also cis people need to see that it's okay to be nice to trans people is what i'm trying to say yeah. oh, and it's okay to have a crush on right one. yeah oh my god <laughs> we're getting crazy here and that that was a huge topic in it too with him because he was like if i like a non-binary person what does that mean for my sexuality like how do i identify and it's like bestie it doesn't matter you do you like you know what i mean yeah that's cool mm-hmm. um yeah and I also wanted to bring up uh, that you're right. A lot of people don't realize that not only AFAB people are non-binary. Mm. I have a couple of people in the Discord I will have taken a survey who hopefully will be on HRT one day soon that, you know, how invalidating it is for somebody who was born male who is now non-binary because the rest of the world always thinks that it's only AFAB people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think that's really damaging. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. It's really damaging when the world has only one specific perception of what you can be. Um, 100%. I I, I have faith. I have faith in the future. We came a long way with gay people. I feel like it's still not perfect. 
but you know <laughs> being trans is the next thing i swear to god i i have faith yeah. in the future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think the way sex education was received is hopefully going to mean that there's going to be more shows like it and more shows just absolutely full of representation um that is my mm-hmm. hope for the future mm-hmm. Because, yeah, just being able to show cis people um, trans stories, is that's going to be the main. Like, and subtly show them our stories because. Right. Yeah. So, so <laughs> that, that it's not like you're shoving it down my throat. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> okay, but it works. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So before we go, trans song of the week. I see you chose two. And I want to hear about both of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my first one was just like my first initial reaction, but then I thought of a better one. But when this song was first out, oh my God. And I was just so young. I didn't know any better. I thought I took it so literally. But if I were a boy by Beyonce, oh my God, that shit slaps. I was, I was there like singing to myself like, if I were a boy, like what would you do? Like, wow. Oh, I love that fucking song. That was my song when I came out as trans, just for the meme, I guess, but, like, uh, yeah. talk to me about your next one. But I know it's, like, it's more of, like, a breakup song, is, but, but, so, my other one is Rebel Rebel by David Bowie, just, like, that initial opening, like, yes. your mom doesn't know if you're a boy or a girl, like, that is, like, just the ultimate, like, gender non-conforming non-binary anthem, and just, like, the whole, like, glam rock, and David Bowie, and, like, like, just, like, the, the whole world in, like, the 70s, like, really glorified and celebrated feminine men and gender nonconformity. And why did we stop? Right. Like, what happened? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh. I want to go back to that time. Born in the wrong generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that choice, though. It, it's giving similar to Nate's episode, Dad Rock. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Dad Rock is the best. <laughs> it really always gets me the feels. <laughs> uh, all right, Slade, thank you so much for sharing that jo- song. Uh, that song, both songs will be in the description below if anyone wants to check them out. Um, also, I keep forgetting, Nate was so lovely and helped me create a little Google Doc full of all the trans songs that have been uh, – talked about on HRT, so hopefully I can get those somewhere so everyone can reach them more easily. Uh, yeah, just want to let everybody know that. Uh, but before we go, <laughs> <laughs> before we go, Cameron, uh, give me your socials so people can follow you. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm, like, not active, but you can follow me. Um, it's just my name, Cammie McKelvey, um, and then it, I'm on Discord as well, so join the HRT Discord, and I'm Cam Bam <laughs> with two M's. So. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> yes, please join the Discord server. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, and Nathan, throw your socials out there. Yes, uh, Instagram and D-I-O-R-I-O 1023. And make sure you follow me at HRT Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. I post on there every single day. You know the friggin' spiel. Uh, join the Discord. Sub to my Patreon. I need money. This shit is not cheap. Um, <laughs> and it's good content. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> they trying to be like, you have to actually tell them what's on there, Cody. 
<laughs> I remind him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you nate yes i actually post on there like a lot so like you're missing out yes. on a lot of hrt content if you are not subscribed to the patreon so please um subscribe to me on here i post and i drop videos every tuesday make sure you turn those post notifications on so you know when i post and this has been lovely cameron you are awesome this was a great episode and nathan thank you for helping me out thank you very much of course i uh, will see you guys next week Bye.